Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Tuning in, hearing God is really the title. And in the first week, we talked about John 10, where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And if you're following him, he says, you're my sheep. And then in John 10, 27, he says this, my sheep hear my voice. So if we're following Jesus and he's the good shepherd, then he wants to speak to us. He says, they hear my voice. He doesn't say they get goosebumps. He says, they hear my voice. He wants to lead us. And we said, so we, we need to do this. And then we looked at, well, just hearing God's voice doesn't mean it's going to change anything. And we looked at Matthew, where Jesus talks about this, the sower who sowed seed. And some of it pl- fell on good soil, and it made a difference. But some of it fell on rocky soil and, and thorns. And we said, just because God's word is present and we hear it doesn't mean it's going to automatically take root and bring about the change that most of the time we want. But that we have to decide that we're going to change. That when we hear God's word, we're going to meditate on it. We're going to figure out, and then we're going to do it. We have to do it. This is what we are going to do. And we said, we need to be, if we want to hear from God, then we're going to make that a priority. We need to have daily, daily quiet time with God. Again, if you want something to make a difference in your life, do it every day. Do it every day. It will make a difference. So take that time to daily make time to seek after God, whether it's in your car, back and forth to work, maybe uh, a quiet, maybe you wake up a little bit early, maybe you, you wait till the kids go to bed and you have it at night, but that you say, God, I'm, I'm devoting this time to you, to hearing your voice, to hearing what you have to say. And then last week, we really looked at the ways that God speaks to us. Because if we want to hear his voice, what are the ways that he speaks to us? We talked about his word, that he speaks in visions, dreams, messengers, that he gives other people words for us, that he speaks to us through his spirit and with his peace. And today, today we're talking about, I think, just kind of putting it all together and sealing it all up, which is this. How do we know it's God? How do I know it's not like like that inner voice, how, how do I know that's not me? Is this, is this me talking? Is this the pizza I had last night? Like, like what, what is this? I, I want to know what it is because I don't think there's anybody in here that if they knew that they knew that God wanted them to what, I don't know, you fill in the blank, wouldn't do it. If they knew that they knew, that if God suddenly appeared to you and audibly said, I want you to sell everything you have and move to Hawaii to go be a part of YWAM. Maybe today you're thinking that this is God telling you that. But <laughs> that you wouldn't say, okay, if this is what God wants me to do, I'm in. And he was to lay out, hey, this is what I have for you. But I think many times, so often, we think, well, how do I know? And can I know that this is God telling me to do this? Because if I, I, I want to know, I want to be sure that this is God. I don't want to look stupid. <laughs> I don't want to make God look stupid. I think for me, that's even worse. Because I make myself look stupid just all the time. <laughs> I don't really need a lot of help. I, I just do it on my own. But I was so good on the way here this morning. Normally, I drive. Okay, when, when we're together, I drive because 
I'm a better driver, just plain and simple. Well, and I'm a control freak, okay? I, I want to be the one in control. I definitely, definitely do. But on Sundays, uh, typically, I use that as study time because it takes us about 26, 27 minutes without the snow to get here. So I sit there and I study and Becca drives. And today, I was so good, I didn't say anything at all. I just kind of sat there, and I thought we were going to die, but I didn't say a word <laughs> at all. One time, one right out of the driveway, just shortly thereafter, she was, we were, the first time we were stopping behind another car, everything in me was like, we are just going to slam right into the back of these people. Like, we are about to say hello. And, and we didn't. We didn't. I didn't say anything until after we stopped, and I just looked over, and I said, I thought we were going to hit them. I was like, I'm so proud of myself. I was like, yes, I'm not saying anything. But we want to know, we want to know, how do we know that God is speaking to us? How do we recognize his voice and we know it's him that's leading us? How do we know it's him? That's a great, great question. And the number one way that we know, when we hear something, we say, well, is this God that was speaking? Is this pizza? What is this? How do I know? The number one way that we check it is we check it with God's word. The number one way we check is we check with God's word. Psalms 119 verse 5 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The number one way we check is we go to God's word. We say, okay, well, what is this? I was talking to somebody not, not too long ago and they said, um, just came up in conversation, they're like, my, my spouse thinks that God told them that we're supposed to buy this really expensive car. I'm like, Really? I'm like, oh, okay, like, and then he kind of just like left it hang out there for a minute, like I was going to say something else, and I'm like, can you afford it? And he goes, no. He goes, but they're sure it was God telling them to do this, and that that was going to be an act of faith so that They'd be stepping out in faith even though they don't have the money. And they know it would be like the way that they made it sound was it would be a bad financial decision, but we're going to do it in faith because then that's going to be the act of faith that shows God that we trust him and then he's going to do all these other things and the money's going to just come. And I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's, that, that's an interesting one. And he goes, what do you think? I said, well, let's go to, let's go to the Bible. I said, well, in Proverbs, it says this. Proverbs 21, 20 says that the wise have wealth and luxury, but fool spends all they get. I said, it sounds like this isn't going to be. It's not bad to have nice things, but if you can't afford it, don't spend everything you have. I said, you said you can't afford it. You'd be borrowing every penny. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're probably right. I said, well, you know, the Bible also says that a, only a fool begins to build without first counting the cost. I said, have you, have you really sat down and looked at the finances together and, and looked at this? And, and he's like, yeah, but she thinks it's God. It's like, okay. And I'm thinking there to myself, I'm like, well, either she missed it or she's being manipulative. Now, I'd kind of regular, I would prefer the manipulative one where you know that it's not and you're like, oh, you're just being manipulative and really, no, not do, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. But the number one place that we go is we go to the Bible. He goes, well, what do you think I should do? I said, you just tell her she missed it. Or just tell her it wasn't God. You, you pull out scriptures. You say, look, this isn't a wise financial move. Here's the reason why. And I said, I said, and we'll get to one of the other things I told him in a minute. 
But we want to know, and we can know, but the number one place that we look is we go to God's word. Because God is never going to tell you to do something that God's word would contradict. It's not going to happen. Over and over and over, I've had people come up to me or, or in the course of conversation where they say, you know, God's telling me I, am gonna, I need to leave my spouse. And I'm like, what? Now, if there is abuse happening in that relationship and you fear for your life or for the life of your kids, yes, get out. There are biblical grounds for divorce. But the majority of the time when somebody tells me that I think every time somebody says, God's told me I need to leave, they just want to be somewhere else. And I've, over and over, I'm like, no, I know he hasn't. I said, you missed it. One guy in particular, I told him, I said, no, he didn't. And he goes, you, you don't know that. God spoke to me. And I go, well, God also spoke in his word, and his word says he doesn't like divorce. It's permitted, but he doesn't like it. I said, he's not leading you to leave your wife. I said, what, what's going on that you need to leave? conversation led on, and basically it was two cubicles down. It's like, no, that's not how this works. God is never going to, and we have his word. He's never going to lead you. He's never going to tell you something that contradicts his word, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can use his word, but we need to use the word. I think that's why Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge is because you can take a verse and you can come up with some really weird stuff by just taking one verse out of the Bible. I've got one for you here. I have a verse. I have a verse. Mark 10, 9 is the verse. And you want to know what it says? It says you should never eat a banana. Because it says what God has joined together, let no man separate. So don't eat bananas anymore. Don't pick a grape until it falls off. Like You better just be there waiting for it because what God's joined together, let no one separate. If you just take one verse and are like, look, this is what it says, you can come up with some weird, weird stuff. I heard a pastor say one time, I heard somebody else. I wasn't saying this. This was somebody else. I'm just telling you right now. He said, if I do something like that, he goes, I can tell you. He says, the Bible says that no women are, go to heaven. And I was like, what? So I listened a little longer. He goes, because it says in Revelations that in heaven, and there was silence for a half an hour. <laughs> and then somebody else in the audience yelled out to that pastor, because again, I didn't say it. goes, that means there's no pastors either. <laughs> but you can, take, you can take just one verse out of the Bible, and you can make it say weird things. So we need to know what the word of God says about a subject. If, if you feel that God gives you a word, he speaks to you, somebody else gives you a word and says, thus says the Lord, or says this is what God's telling me to, to do, or, or prophesy, or says to you, or your spirit says, or audible voice, or an angel from heaven, any of it. We can always go and we always start with God's word. And we don't just look at one. Because let me just tell you, unfortunately, the devil knows more scripture than some Christians do. And we know and we see that the devil, he likes to use it against us. He did with Jesus. He did with Jesus. We look and we see that Jesus was being tempted. And when Jesus was being tempted, Satan came to him 
and said this. This is Matthew 4. The devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and said to Jesus, jump off. For scripture says, Satan was quoting scripture to Jesus. For scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up in their hands that you will not even hurt your foot on the stone. And then Jesus replied, it is also written, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. We need to know what the word of God says. That's the number one place we go. Number one place that we start is we go to God's word and we say, what does this have to say? I'm, I'm getting ready to make this decision to do this. What is it that I need to do? And the next thing that we do when you get a word, we believe that God is speaking to you. The next thing that we do is this, is we need to f- ask somebody else, find a mature believer and say, hey, this is what I think, what do you think? 2 Corinthians 3.11 Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You need to ask somebody else. Find a mature believer and ask them. Before you go do some big life-changing, life-altering thing, before you move, ask another, uh, ask a mature believer. Uh, One time in particular, when I went to Bible college, I moved down there and I actually lived with Brian and then my older brother. And so we were in college together. We, we had a ton of fun. Oh, my goodness. It was an absolute riot. We just, we, we had fun. You'd open up a closet and there'd be mountain bike parts or wakeboards or something. It, it, we, we, just, we just had a ton of fun going to college together. It was a riot. But the first year, right, right when we get down there, I just moved to Oklahoma. Just get down there. And my, my brother I, goes out to eat and he was just out with this girl. And I was like, well, who's this girl you're out with? And he kind of goes, uh, I go, because I recognize her, but I just, I'm in Oklahoma. How do I know who this is? Like, who is this? And he just kind of snickered and he goes, well, um, sh- she's from Michigan. I go, from Michigan? And, well, I didn't, who? She goes, yeah, she's from church, our, our, our church back home. I'm like, what? And then he kind of, I go, well, okay, there's something more. You know, like you can just tell, especially with the family, like, what are you not telling me? Like, there's more to the story and it looks like it's good. Like, what's, what's going on? And he goes, well, um, she, she came down here because she was at church and somebody walked up to her and said, I have a word from God for you. And here's what it is. It's you need to move to Oklahoma and you need to go to such and such a college and then you're going to marry, and he, she said, my brother Josh. And so this girl said, oh, okay. So she moved to Oklahoma, enrolled at the Bible college that I was at in Suddenly, I guess it was going pretty good so far because she was having lunch with Josh. And I'm like, I said to Josh, I go, what do you think of that? And he goes, oh, I told her it's not going to happen. And I think he was a lot sweeter than that, but that's what he said. And the next week, she wasn't at school anymore, and she moved back home, and she moved back here. She got married. She has several kids. I actually see her every now and then. I don't say that I know that all happened, but I do. I do. But here's the thing. Before you do something big, some life-changing thing, even, and I would say especially if, you want, if, if it sounds good to you, because I have this personal rule, the more sure I am about something, the more I need to pray, the more I need to pray about it. If I'm sure, I'm like, oh, looks good to me, I should really pray. I need to pray about this. I need to ask somebody else, get wisdom. Before you do something like that, 
Bible says, let everything be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Find some mature believers and talk to them. Somebody that you can run by and say, hey, what do you think of this? Does this make sense? This is what I'm believing. These are the scriptures or this. Because like that, there's not a Bible verse for that. There's not a Bible verse for, do I move to Oklahoma to marry this guy? There's really not. I hope you're in a small group. I hope that you were. They're kind of like, they're kind of over for a little while. We're going to go through the holidays. They're going to start up again. But that's a great place to meet some people, to surround yourself with some people who can speak into your life, and to find some mature believers who you can run things by. But I think a good question is, well, then what, what's a mature believer? Like, how, how does that work? Because you definitely want to ask, like, what, who's that? Like, that'd be the next question. Like, hey, what? what? What is that? Which, by the way, at the end of this, if you do have questions, there's a number on the screen right now underneath that little frequency thing. And if you want, haul at your phone right now, text that question in and be like, hey, what about this? Uh, or how? Because we're going to wrap up this series. And if you do have a question, we'd love, love to answer that. So I should have enough time right at the end to answer a few of those. If you have some, please take out your phone and send those in. But what is a mature believer? What is a mature believer? I think it's a really good question. Well, first off, in 1 Timothy, it says this, 1 Timothy 3.6. This is talking about the leaders of a church. It says a church leader must not be a new believer because they might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. So the first thing is this, is it's not going to be somebody who's a brand new Christian. Because here's the thing. There might be a whole lot of zeal there. The Bible says it this way, zeal without knowledge isn't good. And it's not going to be a new believer. You want to find somebody who is and has been a believer for a while. Is there a specific time frame? No, but probably more than like three weeks. Um, Maybe a year, three if you know some, if, if you're like, I don't even have any friends that are Christians for longer than a couple of years, then this is a great place to be, but start to connect with some other people who can challenge you and help you and pick you up and grow you. But somebody who's going to be a believer for a few years, for sure. And then the next thing is this, is somebody whose life is a testament. Hebrews 3, 13, excuse me, in talking about leaders and people that we want to look up to in faith says this in verse 7. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith. Follow their example of faith. We should be able to see the fruit in people's lives. It should be evident in the way that they spend their time and the way that they spend their money and the way that they treat their family. And the way that they treat their friends, I mean, we just, you just had Thanksgiving. How many of you got, got together with family? Raise your hand if you got together with some family over Thanksgiving. All right, hands down. Okay, how many enjoyed getting together with family over, that's about half as many hands. Okay, here's the thing, is we get together with family, and who knows how to push buttons the best? It's that one uncle, aunt, brother, right? Family knows how to push buttons. Man, do they. It's the, yeah, I'll just, I'll just stop there. But they, they do. And we get together. I was, we were reading something that said uh, the other day about Americans. They said Americans love their holidays, but they spend them doing the things they don't want to do. Like we're with family doing the things that we don't want to do. And that was kind of basically what the article said. But we need to find people that we can see. And it's going to be obvious. And it's, it really is the most obvious. 
when you see the way that somebody interacts with their family, their siblings, their brothers and sisters, their husband, their wife. Watch the way that they interact. Watch the way they interact with mom and dad. A mature believer. It's going to be evident by the way that they live their life. The first person that, that I really began to do this with is a guy named Tom. And, and Tom treated his wife, and I, I just saw everything. Every time I saw him, the way that he talked to his wife, I just loved. Because every time that I ever saw him interacting with his wife, he was telling her how great she was and how much he loved her. And I watched the way that he spent money. And he was talking about, hey, we've got, you know, we'd go over to his house and they'd have, this is the um, orphanage or this is the orphan that they're doing. Or they would invite friends over to their house and they'd have a missionary friend over. They're like, hey, we're raising money for a missionary. Get over here. We've got a bunch of food. And so people would come over and we'd go over to their house and we'd walk in the house and they've got food and then a missionary shares. And in missionary style, they're supposed to share for 15 minutes, and two hours later, they're done. And he has to go and apologize that it was two hours instead of 15 minutes. He goes, but wasn't it great? And he's spending his time and his resources, and he's leveraging his life. And he owns a business, but he uses the business to also to be generous as well. And I watched the way, and I've seen for years, the way that he raised his kids and how they honor them. And I'm like, I... I want to be like that. And I absolutely loved, because every time that we would go over to his house, he would meet us in the driveway. Every time. Every time. He always says hi to my kids. He greets them. He says hello to them. Every now and then, he'll, he'll text me a little scripture. And this was years and years and years ago, but I was like, okay, that's somebody I want to ask about. Shortly after we were married, it's been, it'll be in August, it'll be, is it 15? 15, it'll be in August. So shortly after we got married, still trying to figure things out. Still trying to figure a lot of, a lot of those things out. And uh, we hadn't dated really, really long. Um, so I was really just getting to know her and all that stuff. We're trying to put everything together, figure it out. I went to him, I went to Tom. And I said, Tom, I'm struggling with this and this and this. What do I need to do? Because here's the deal. How do you know you can trust somebody? You trust them. <laughs> it's really the only way that you know is if you trust them. If it doesn't work out, you're like, well, that didn't work. Don't do that again. But it's, it's really, how do we know? Or you see that they're untrustworthy with everybody else, and you're like, I'm not even going to try it. It ain't going to work. But how do you know? And so it started with just this, this first question of, hey, this is what's up. And he's like, well, we just need to pray. And let me just tell you what he did not do. He didn't say, well, you need to... Tell her this, this, and this. That would have been fun. That would have been nice. He didn't. He goes, well, let's pray, and we're going to work on you. And so I had faith to come back to him again and say, hey, this is what's going on here. What do you recommend here? We're thinking about this. We're thinking about doing that. When, when it came time for us to start the church, I'd prayed. Many of you are familiar with this story. I prayed, like, hey, yep, I believe this is what God is asking us to do. I went to Becca. She's like, ha-ha, have fun. <laughs> not for me. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. A few months later, she came back. She says, nope, yep, God, we're doing this. This is God. Because I told her, I said, if God doesn't speak to you, we're not doing this. If he spoke to me, he'll speak to you. We need to be united on this. This is something I believe that he will speak to you. 
He did. She comes back. She says, let's do this. We went. Tom was one of the people that we went to, and we said, hey, this is what we believe God is leading us to do. And we were so sure. But we went to Tom. I went to Tom. I said, Tom, do you see this in me? What do you believe? And he's like, yes, absolutely. He says, is it going to be by me? Where is it going to be? And I'm like, no, actually, we don't know. Anyways. But I have people in my life that I go to and say, hey, this is what I believe God is speaking to me. Is he, what do you think? We need people. We need mature believers, people that we can look at, people that you can see in their life. There should be fruit from the way that they live. Because there's three types of people. Three types of people that it really talks about quite a bit in Proverbs. But the first type is somebody who's evil. Now, evil people, they're inspired and they're led by the devil. They're just, they're just, they're just evil. Judas in the Bible, evil. The Bible says that Satan entered him. Evil, okay? Extremely, I think that pretty much just wraps it up right there, evil. Number two, the Bible talks about the second type of people is somebody who's foolish. It says the fool is carnally minded. It's almost a Bible word, but really it's earthly minded. You know what they're worried about? They're worried about their, their main concern in life is what do I drive? What do I live? Who can I impress? They're worried about the things that we can see, the things that actually won't last. That's, that's the fool. That's, that's what their life revolves around. And then it says there's a third type, and that's the wise. If you want to look for a mature believer, you want to find somebody who's wise. And this is what the Bible talks about. This is how it defines somebody who's wise. Somebody who is spirit-led. It says this, Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You want to find somebody who's spirit-led. Somebody whose life you look at and you can say, I can tell by the way that they're living, not just what they say, but by the way that they're living. There is a difference in the way they're living. Their priorities, they are living not just for this world, but for what is going to come. They're using their time, their effort, their relationships, their resources to build the kingdom of God because they are spirit-led. That's what they're going after. So find a mature believer. And the number three, the third way, that we can, we can know that it's God, is his peace. We can know because of his peace. And this is what it says in Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace, the soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as empire continually in your hearts. Act as empire continually, I love that, in your hearts. Deciding and setting with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body, you were also called to live and to be thankful, giving praise to God always. It's the Amplified. I love how they expound on it right there. But the peace of God, let it make decisions with finality, all the decisions that arise in your heart. It's okay to be nervous. You're going to be nervous living for God. I guarantee it. He's going to call you some things like, I don't know if I can really do that. Nervous is okay, but he's going to give you his peace. The world's peace, the world's peace comes because the lake is calm. When there's no wind, it's peaceful, right? 
And that's peaceful. We, we recognize that type of a peace. It's just calm because the circumstances, because there's no wind, because another boat didn't go by, because, no, it, it's just calm. That's, we, we understand that peace. But then there's another peace. The Bible calls it the peace that passes all understanding because it comes from the knowledge of God. And that's the peace you have when you're in the boat that we see the disciples they were, a big storm came, and they're all freaking out. And they wake up Jesus, we're going to die, we're going to drown. And Jesus looks at him and says, you have little faith, gets up, rebukes the wind, rebukes the waves. And then everything is calm. Jesus had peace in the storm. And the peace that passes all understanding isn't a peace because everything is going okay. It's, it's that peace where you look around and you see the wind and you see the waves and you see everything that's going on and you say, you, but you just, you say, you know what, God? Your word says that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. And I know I'm okay. I know I'm gonna get through this. I know I'm gonna get to the other side. That's the peace that we're talking about. He wants to give you that peace. You can be nervous and have his peace at the same time. You can definitely do that. But we need to know what God's word has to say. And it starts with peace. All right, let's see if we have any questions. Where did it go? All right, did anybody text in any questions? I can't find my app. Uh-oh. G-R-S, there it is. All right, we're just going to double check and then we'll answer any of these. Okay, here we go. So the first one we have is this. What if your spouse isn't hearing or listening to God? Um, that's where you need to know what God's word has to say. You need to know what God's word has to say about something. If your spouse is like, like the car thing, we need to buy this car. Um, you, you need to stand up and say, here's the reasons why. Here's what God's word has to say about it. Um, the things I see in God's word are a fool spends all he gets. It's... the only a fool builds without first counting the cost. And as I count the cost of doing this, we cannot naturally do this. This does not make sense. We're, we should not be doing this. But you need to be bold enough to say, I think you missed it this time. I, I, I think you missed it. And, and you can be right and you can be wrong. Here's the crazy thing. We see the disciples. I believe it's Paul. Nope, it's Peter. Peter was talking to Jesus. And Jesus asked him a question. He says, who do people say that I am? And Peter answers, and he says, you are the son of God. And then three verses later, I think it is, Peter, Jesus tells Peter, I'm going to go die on the cross. And Peter looks at him and says, no, not you. Don't do that. No. And Jesus looks right at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of this world. One minute, Jesus is like, You've got it, buddy. You heard that straight from the Holy Spirit told that to you. And the next minute, Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. He missed it. He missed it. In the same conversation, he missed it. It's okay. If you miss it, that's why we need other people. If you're the one that misses it, that doesn't mean you can never hear from God again. At all. We, do, we need to be careful. We need to seek after him and say, okay, what does your word have to say about this? You can miss it. Peter missed it, but he got right back up. And you say, okay, 
I missed it. We need, to be, we need to be okay with doing that. And if your spouse misses it, you need to be kind. But you need to say, I think you missed it this time. Please don't go sign that lease. Please don't go do that. I do not believe that was God. And, and don't sugarcoat it to the point that nobody knows what it is. All it tastes like is just sugar. You need, you need to say, I think we missed it this time. Please don't. Or I don't think that's the right move for us to make yet. And if it's something huge, um, like when we decided to start the church, I'm like, this, this is something that I need Becca. God, you need to speak to Becca on. We need to be united in this. I cannot be her Jesus. I cannot be the ones that we have to do that. I need her. To, this is going to be the whole family. This is all of us. And so I waited for God to speak to her because I needed that. And he did. He did. There were other things and other moves that we've made that I have asked. I said, babe, I believe this is what God has for us. There's not really a verse on this. And she's, she said, okay, well, I'll trust you. And that's a heavy, heavy, heavy responsibility. And I would tell that, you need to make sure that you've looked at the word and that you've gotten, you have that peace. And that you've gone to other mature believers and you're like, I've ran this by other people who both of us see as mature believers and we're moving forward with what God has for us. I'm glad we can answer that one. All right. I think that's it. That's great. I think we'll stop with that. Okay. That piece that I talked about just a minute ago, that's the piece that comes because you know where you stand with God. It's the piece that the, the things that are happening around us, don't, don't, it doesn't affect us anymore. It doesn't have that pull, the pull that it used to have because we know whose we are and where we're going. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to experience that too. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. That's why he came. But it begins with a relationship with him. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to close the service, but before we do, I want to make sure that every single person here, you know right where you stand with God. So if you've never before made that decision, but today you say, I want his peace. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. I want to know right where I stand with God. That when I die, I go to heaven. I want to live for him right now. Or maybe you're here. And you say, you know, there was a time I was living for God, but I turned my back on him. But today I want to declare I'm his again. I want to be his with all that I have. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and then right in your seat. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. And when we say amen, you can know right where you stand with God. So if you're either of those, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, you say, God, I want to experience your peace. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. Or today, you're declaring you're coming back. Then on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. I want you to be bold and say, that's me. And we're going to pray. And when we say amen, you can know right where you stand with God. One, two, three. Shoot it up. Say, that's me. Shoot your hand up. Say, that's me. Today's my day. I'm leaving here knowing exactly where I stand with him all the way. No? Okay, let's just all pray together. God, thank you for speaking to us. God, that you lead and you guide us. You didn't leave us alone to figure it out, but that you speak to us. Thank you that as we seek you in your quiet times, that you lead us. God, we hunger to hear your word and to follow your direction. Please confirm your words spoken in our hearts so they'll be established in our lives. God, we praise you for your peace beyond understanding. 
Let it lead and guide us in all that we do. We seek out mature believers, God, with godly wisdom to further confirm your word to us. Help us to recognize these people. Bring people across our path to speak the truth of your word into our lives. God, we're grateful for how you guard our hearts and minds as we walk in your peace. And as we leave here today, God, open our eyes and our hearts to see those in need around us and give us boldness as we show and share your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.